I feel like it's something, it's like an heirloom of sorts. It's something that you can hold close to you for years to come and it can go down in generation and generation. So you're absolutely right. It is all about the story and like who you're supporting and what you are so passionate about with that story. Wait, what do you mean it's over? Hello, how can I help? Hey guys, you're listening to Parties of Our Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Liz. And Liz, um, what's new with you? Not much. Not much. <laughs> Just living that pandemic life, baby. Living that pandemic life. Nice. You? I have recently, like I used to eat sushi, but like now I like eat sushi like once a week and it's becoming like a thing. And I'm just saying thanks, Liz, for the introduction. I was very proud to hear how much money you spent on one roll. That's how I know that you, you know, got into it. That was stupid. I never want to do that again. (laughs) Next, I will get you into sashimi. That's my 2021 goal. Interesting. Well, today... Oh, well, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Well, today a piece of my fish came off of the sushi and I ate it by itself. And it was like the piece laying on the top. You can delete this because it's kind of gross. But if you're proud of me... There's that. I'm not deleting it because I am proud of you, and I think you could have salmon to shame me. So, thank you. I'm so cultured. Remember when you had eel? That was literally an accident, and I am actually mad at you for. So I had. You guys have probably heard the story already, but I had sushi for like the second time of my life, maybe, and I literally ate like veggie rolls, like nothing serious, and uh, it was you know a pandemic, like the early on pandemic. And nothing was open. I think so, you ordered a um, carrot and yeah. what did you get? Carrot and cucumber. And like, so it's not like I could go to the grocery store to get more food. Like I literally was like, okay, this is all I have to eat. So I have to eat it. And I like saw it coming and I was like, this ain't, that ain't carrot and cucumber, but I just ate it. And literally I have one more roll left. I've just put it in my mouth. Liz goes, it's eel. I'm like, I was seconds away from finishing. Why? Why did you? I did not set her up. I they messed up the order, and I realized what they called it, which was I can't remember, but it was similar to the word cucumber, and I saw it on the menu. I looked up the menu, tried to figure out what it was, and I was like, oh my god, I know what it is. She but said, I wanted her to remember the taste of it while yeah. it was in her mouth. Yeah, so that was so kind of you. I'm uh, just so sweet. You can tell that it's a pandemic when our updates are. So stale and boring. <laughs> I had sushi once. No updates. <laughs> um, wedding planning, haven't done a single thing since that. Like, nothing going on there. I'm going to send my save the dates out, I think, soon. That's an update. Um, hmm. I don't know. I Got a sewing up- machine. Might start a hobby. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just ordered a puzzle. Oh. Um, been doing a new workout. That is 12, 3.30. That's a treadmill workout. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet, but I recommend it. That's by Lauren Giraldo. And I used to watch her YouTube videos probably, like, early high school. She was, like, one of my favorite YouTubers. And then I just kind of lost track of her for a while and recently stumbled upon her again, and I just fell right back in love. Oh, that's I love when that happens, when I, like, find a YouTuber that I used to be into. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you're like, they're so grown up now. Like, I 
was so into them and we were like growing at the same time and now yeah. she like has a house and all this stuff and I'm like oh my god you're an adult you made it I do like watching it's cool like when creators can grow with you like have the same interests as you and and things like that um that reminded me of an update I deleted all my social media guys oh that is an update I thought you were gonna share that today I forgot um, so it's really hard for me yeah has it been going I could tell when you were like, this girl that we follow, her dog died. She texted me and she was like, the dog seems Dewey. She's like, Dewey died. And I'm like, who is Dewey and why are you texting? Because normally she'd just send me the Instagram post. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was going to send it to you and I'm like, well, she won't see it for a month. Uh, you're probably going to have a bunch of Snapchats from me also. I noticed today, I was like, actually, I don't think she has Snapchat either. And there was like 10 waiting. <laughs> yeah, someone was like, oh, I Snapchatted you the other day. And I, I didn't want to like make it a point to be like, I didn't get it. I deleted my social media. Like, I didn't want to say that. So I was just like, cool. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. But So don't reach out to Ashley on social media for yeah. at least a month. Because um, she's not going to see it. Yeah, I'm really only telling you guys this because I, I don't know, in case people wanted to do it. I feel like I'm, this is my only way to like update people on this. And yeah, I think we, you should check in each week and say how you're doing. Don't miss it at all. I really don't. The that's only awesome. thing that's hard is like right now, like I tried to send Liz a link to something. Couldn't do that. Like just things like that. Um, but really, I don't miss it at all. I have noticed I've replaced things like right now. I'm so obsessed with checking houses online. So like realtor.com is my new social media and I refresh it every probably 25 minutes. And we chat on Gmail chat. <laughs> yeah it's did everyone know that they had that yeah i think we're probably the only people that actually use it mm-hmm. uh so that's changed um but really the reason i really had to get rid of it i talked about it before maybe we can do an episode on social media because i think i'm going to read um digital minimalism it's a book and i think i'm going to read that and maybe we can kind of talk about it together on an episode because i think it's something that i think i'm going to become very passionate about just the effects of social media. I just noticed my attention span was a lot lower. I noticed um, I was very anxiety ridden. Uh, I I don't even know. I mean, I wasn't using my time wisely, so I was not productive. I just got rid of things like hobbies that I used to be interested in. And really the things that scared me about it is it was only getting worse as time went on. I started to incorporate it more and more into my life. And uh, listening to Laura's episode that we just had with your sober pal, she was talking about how the more and more, like the older she got and the more she kind of incorporated alcohol into her life, the harder it was to stop and like the more addicted she became. So she was just saying like, if she had realized it when she was younger, like, you know, she doesn't know how things would be. And that's kind of how I felt about, again, I'm not comparing alcohol to social media. I just, I don't have an alcohol addiction. So this is just what I could relate to and resonate with anyways it was just things like that and just the thought of like we had talked about before on the what we said podcast that girl had spoke about like how scary it was to think of her life without social media but then she was so excited when she looked back a year later on everything she got from no no social media and Mm -hmm. I don't know I think I'm more I'm excited about the possibilities I was gonna say that you can send me the link to the book, but as we just discussed, there it's very hard for you to send me links now. Yeah. So I'm just gonna look it up. I know. I don't. I I don't know why. And that Google Gmail thing, you can't send links. It's so well. You can send links to something, just not houses, and that's what I've been sending 
Liz links too recently. It is annoying. Yeah, that it's just what you need to send me is what's not linking because I sent yeah. you a link. So also, uh, if anyone is in the you know home buying market, just know I feel you. It is wild out there. If anyone wants to sell me a house, uh, let me know because it's crazy. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. Poor Liz. I send her a house every day, and then I'm like, sorry, sold. Sorry. <laughs> I <laughs> no. know. I like looking at them, so it's like, send them all. I just want to check them out. I was bored today, and I looked at houses in Waco, Texas, because I know Texas has, like, I don't know, just crazy houses. I know they're gorgeous. Yeah. Wow. The budgets that, like, we're looking at are, like, not good at all. Just, like, Maine <laughs> is so crazy right now, and there it's literally, like, a beautiful home, and, like, I, I could live in there forever. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, sick. So, so Waco, Texas. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say so. Are we moving? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not moving to Texas, and we're focusing on Maine, where we live, especially in today's podcast. Very true. Very relevant. Yeah. This would be a bad one for us to be like, we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peace, everyone. In honor of the episode, why don't we say like our favorite thing about Maine? Or, like, one of our favorites. Doesn't need to be so hard on the favorite. Yeah. I would say one of my favorites is the seasons. That is a good one. I feel like it's, you really appreciate another season. Yes, definitely. And oh. we have the space to enjoy the season. So we have the ocean, we have mountains, we have woods, and just the outdoor space. That's a good one. I feel like you have always. I mean, since I've known you like the outdoors, but I think the older you've gotten, the more you've become more outdoorsy. Am I wrong? Probably you're right. Probably you're right. I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> um. Oh, I'll say one funny thing, kind of just like Maine related. So my friend just, she's from Maine, but she lived in California and stuff. And this, we went to, uh, we were away for the weekend and there like when you're ice fishing people have these things or not even just ice fishing but they wear bibs and it's essentially just like ski pants that like have suspenders there's different like you could have bibs for different things but essentially they're just kind of like pants with suspenders I think and then we just did I don't even know like someone was saying oh do you have the jet sled which is like something you use for ice fishing and all these different terms and her face was literally like what are you guys talking about bibs jet sleds I have a funny story Oh, it was so funny. Kyle's brother and girlfriend came to our Thanksgiving. I don't think I said this on um, the podcast after Thanksgiving, but she's from Pennsylvania. And if anyone knows my family, my brothers all work in the automotive industry. And, like, they were just talking about a skitter, which you know what a skitter is. And they have, like, more of a Maine accent than we do, I would say. So they were just saying, like, oh, we bought a skitter this person has a skitta. Did you see that? And she's like under the table on her phone. And <laughs> oh then we were God. like, Oh, and she's like, starts laughing and, and um, her boyfriend like notices and we're all like, what's going on? And she's down below the table, Googling skitta S K I D T A. She's like, I've never heard it. Oh my God. That is really funny. It's so funny. Things you don't realize mm-hmm. are that we have like incorporated. And I don't know. It was just funny stuff like that. But that is very I funny. I was surprised when I found out that banking was not a real word. That's a main word. Like a banking? Like, like a hill. Like hill? a bank. Yeah. Huh. I was like, it's no not? one else knows that? 
I did not know that. That's Maine slang. Really? It's like, why do we need slang for a hill? Hill. <laughs> but it's different than a hill. Right. It like, is. We all, know what it, we all know what it is, but, like, I wouldn't, but I don't even know that I've ever used the word. No, I'm sure I have. I've definitely used it, yeah. Um. Okay, wait, my favorite thing. Um, hmm. I would say I like that we have different... I think the older I've gotten, the more I've actually learned to appreciate, like, the stillness and the calmness of Maine. And that you can kind of have a little bit of everything here. Definitely. I would consider myself a little bit of everything kind of personality. Like, I'm not too much of any one thing. So Maine's kind of good for me in that way. I agree with you there for you. For me. (laughs) And today we have Kristen van mulen on the podcast and she is not a native manor but came to maine and fell in love so we're excited to talk to her about why she loves maine and why she decided to stay how she got here and she also has her own podcast which she started which is called makers of maine and we love supporting other manors we love supporting other podcasts so this is like a perfect mix and this podcast is a long time coming so we're so excited to finally meet her and talk with her and talk about some main small businesses that we all love and this great state all right and with that being said let's get into the episode with makers of maine Well, guys, we have today on the podcast Kristen Vermeulen from Makers of Maine, and we are so excited. We have been really following closely along with Makers of Maine for quite a while now, so this is a pretty exciting episode for us, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've been following you guys as well, and I love your podcast because that's one of the reasons why I started mine. Um, I was truly like inspired by your story and how you guys go and really just fine individuals that are so interesting and uh so thank you i'm so honored to be a part of your podcast i feel like we've been like our podcasts have been flirting with each other so (laughs) like on our first date you know when you have like internet friends like you're like you'll mutually like comment on each other's stuff that's definitely what our podcasts are to each other yes they are i love it So would you mind just telling a little bit of the premise of your podcast, what what it's all about? Sure. Uh, so Makers of Maine was started in June, so right at the peak of the pandemic. And prior to that, um, I was a, I still am, a full-time publicist in supporting small businesses and makers in um, the state of Maine. And I had lost a good chunk of my clients in the beginning, uh, right at the start of the pandemic, just because marketing is sort of the first thing that kind of falls off track, just because funding wise, you just got to keep operations afloat. So I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. I'm going to be at home with my kids. I just had my son in February. And uh, I was like, all right, I guess that's all. That's all I'm going to do. And then with me, I'm a very innovative thinker. Like I can't sit still. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to start this podcast because it's something that's always been in my head. Like I'm, I always love storytelling and why not start a media company, you know, and be on the other side of the publicist world. Uh, so I wanted to start showcasing stories about makers between, you know, metal work to glass work to artists to anything you can think of when it comes to crafting with your hands. And, uh, 
it just kind of blew up from there. And um, I, with, with help from great friends, you know, uh, my friends who are really into audio tech engineering to editing podcasts, telling me how to do things to those who are photographers and even a good friend of mine who is a website designer and um, digital has her own digital agency helped me. So I just feel like a lot of people were on board with my concept and that's kind of how the podcast rolled out. That's awesome. And I know that you're not originally from Maine, so it's really nice to see somebody who is so attached to Maine that isn't from Maine and like fell in love and wants to showcase kind of Maine businesses. So could you share a little bit about what brought you to Maine and why you fell in love? Yeah, so... Gosh, I've been in Maine for three years now, and my husband is actually the Mainer. Um, he's from Jefferson, Maine, which is close to Damariscotta. And uh, I, you know, I'm from Maryland. I'm from Ellicott City, which is a little bit outside of Baltimore. And I never thought I'd live in Maine. <laughs> um, but I say, I always tell people, I fell in love with it right when I came up here to visit my in-laws. Um, so my in-laws at the time lived in St. George, which is right on the coast of Maine. And it's beautiful. I mean, being right on the water and getting to experience the boat life in Maine. You know, my um, husband is a captain. He's got his captain's license. We both sail. Um, his parents are really active in the boating community. Um, they uh, build catamarans. Um, I, actually, he just retired this year and had a boat building business. So it's just uh, it's really cool to hear about just really the lifestyle being on the coast. And I was just infatuated with it. I was like, you know, I want to learn more. And every time I would come up here, I would discover more about Maine, whether it was in Camden or Rockland or Acadia. And uh, actually, my husband proposed to me on the breakwater in Rockland. And, you know, I just grew to love it. And uh, and then um, there were some personal things that happened down in Maryland where I just got so sick of, you know, working for the government. I worked for Department of Defense and I was just so sick of, you know, dry material and doing public relations for them. And I was like, I need a change. I'm tired of the traffic. I'm tired of this busy lifestyle. So I decided to move up to Maine and I got a job at Seabags. Um, so I kind of lined up that position. My husband was like, oh, dang, we're, I'm going home. I haven't been home in 15 years. You're and, the one um, that's like round up the crew. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He never thought that I would be the one to make that move because I'm the type, I was the type of person that loved the South. I loved the beach. Um, my parents are huge Jimmy Buffett fans. So like grew up listening to him. Like I thought I was going to be this, the Southerner and always living down in the South, maybe move down to Florida. But no, I um, like life changes courses. And I think that's what happened in this case. So I'm really happy to be here. And I'm really gla glad that I'm able to uh, raise my family here as well. It is interesting. Do you think because you were around, they were shipbuilders or um, building boats, and then you worked at Seabags, which is another main maker. Is this kind of where the idea stemmed from? Yeah, so I feel like, you know, having this sort of sailing background uh, and also this understanding of my husband's uh, family's boat building business, it was just like, there has to be more to Maine than I'm missing, right? You know, there's a different culture here that's not just about the coastal lifestyle. There's also small businesses and makers here and other elements of the lifestyle. And uh, when I worked at Seabags, um, I was their PR and social media manager. Uh, the president there, Beth Schistler, actually introduced me to a lot of great small businesses and other brands that 
um, she had known about throughout her career or are good friends with them. And that's allowed me to build upon my publicist business. And then I kind of took it from there and being like, well, these have great stories and whether or not they're my clients or not, I don't care. I want to go and share that with them. So I feel like learning more about the maker community here in Maine just made me want to um, live here even more, like just grow with it, build upon it and uh, be a part of that lifestyle even more. I think we talk about this a lot in the podcast is it's interesting to talk to someone who's not from Maine or watching all these people who have no ties to Maine and they come to Maine because a lot of people we discuss on the podcast kind of resent Maine while they're growing up and they're younger and they they speak of it in like a negative connotation. And it's so cool to do the podcast and be able to shine light to some of these people that might be struggling with being here. And we're saying people are choosing to come here and people are boomerangers. We call it like Mainers call them and stuff. And Mm -hmm. you come here. It's just so interesting. So I think hopefully we've helped some people realize the beauty in Maine through podcast. Oh yeah, I'm sure you guys are great storytellers and the people that you're getting on air on your podcast is great. And, you know, I feel like the more, you know, media or like storytellers out there in the state that truly build upon the community and like showcasing that that's what we need right now. And hence the reason why, you know, I started my podcast and meeting you lovely ladies. So um, I think it will only build from here, right? I really hope more people get on board this trend. We're excited for for the future of what Maine, Maine has to offer. When you started the podcast, did you start off initially with who was your very first guest, I should ask? <laughs> My very first guest is a great friend of mine, Becky McKinnell. Uh, as I mentioned uh, previously, uh, there was a lovely woman who helped me with my branding and my website, and um, that was Becky. And she owns a digital agency called IBET Creative. Yes, oh um, my in gosh, Portland. Oh. A full circle moment. Yeah, she's awesome. She makes handbags. Um, they are leather and uh, dockline rope is the handles. They're beautifully crafted pieces, and um, not only does she the focuses on the handbag. She also has additional accessories, just launched a seaweed bracelet. I'm very excited that she's kind of growing her brand. I mean, she's only been around for a couple of years, so she's very like new to the maker community. Um, but at the same time, she supports makers, you know, with her digital agency. So really great that I got to interview her in the first episode. And she lives in Cumberland, so not too far away from me. And uh, so got to do a lovely photo shoot with her and, you know, just getting to know her story a bit more and getting both sides of it, touching on her accessories as well as her uh, digital agency. And then I kind of built from there, uh, just guests that I didn't really know about until I did a little research. Yeah, it's been really cool to kind of touch on guests that I know of and I know their stories very well because I've helped them out with um, PR related activities. And then there's ones that I don't know about and I do my own research and do a little digging and it's been great to kind of tap into both worlds. It's a great way to build more connections and probably I know that your whole office and a lot of the stuff that you wear are all from people that are main makers or have been on your podcast and I just think that's so awesome. Also, I love your office space. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, that was a really cool project. Um, so my one of my um, clients is a publicist um, who are also really good friends of mine is uh, Chilton Furniture. 
And um, Chilton was a, a big part of my office space. And uh, one of their employees, who is also an interior designer, um, Abigail Shea, she's like an up and coming interior designer in the area. And her and I worked together and figuring out, you know, what Chilton pieces would be included in the office space, because I love Chilton and the concept of their story. They've been around for a long time. And um, now they're coming out with more modern pieces. And I was like, you know, it's main made. I want everything in here to be main made. And so we included pieces that were main made that were part of Chilton's collection. We also included some other brands that, um, whether it be glasswork, pottery, antique paint brushes from a renowned artist. I mean, it was just such a cool way of just showcasing the main life. And um, so I was really happy to have that. And another reason why I did it too is because I was featured on Good Morning America. So I was like, okay, guys, I really need to revamp my office space before going on national <laughs> television because my office space before that, I should show you guys pictures. It was just plain Jane. It was like a closet. Like I just literally like put my clothes in there that I couldn't fit into my bedroom closet. I had my kids like toys scattered all over so the this, place. So like, this room. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was, I mean, no, it was, mine was worse. Like yours looks great. I, <laughs> but it was just like a cluttered, like chaotic mess. And I was like, there's no way like I can, you know, go, oh, on, I can, air. go on Good Morning America with this. So I, <laughs> I would like rent an office space like yeah. this is it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like I had, and, and thank goodness for the people that like partnered with me on it because I feel like it was super timely. We only did it within like a week. I mean, it was super fast. Like my husband and I had to paint the walls white within like 24 hours. It was nuts. Um, wow. It was a lot of work. It was like a teal color on the walls and we had to paint them all white. And, I, and my husband was like, we're never doing this again. I was like, okay. <laughs> Especially with two Fair kids. Yeah, yeah. I was like, there's a, yeah, no way. But yeah. Um, yeah. Two things that you had said. One, talking about just how you really love to incorporate main brands. And I feel like it's so funny because Liz and I, we interview main mainers just, I'd say like half, like a quarter of the amount of you do. I can't imagine. And Liz and I said this Christmas, we really noticed that everyone got someone that was a guest. They got an item. They got an Aaron yeah. Flett bag or they right. got La Marais art, something along those lines. And yeah. we just realized that it was pretty much like a parties of our podcast kit. Because we just love yeah. that the brand all my you... gifts for everybody. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I hope you heard them on our podcast because here they are. I know. No, that's great that you guys did that, like even on your own. I, I my goal over the holidays was to gift all small and yeah. I, I did and you can it's unbelievable like you can and but it's worth it too and I'm super passionate about um you know as you know the makers of main you know movement I would say but even bigger than that like I, I love makers of America there's like a lot more creatives out there in the nation that not a lot of people know about and um, so my ultimate goal is to really showcase that after hopefully with COVID you know passing by and we can travel again but um, that's something I would love to do is just telling the stories of makers throughout the entire nation so yeah. I, I just love it that during the holidays a lot of people were keeping their eyes on that and really just supporting and I, and I know and I hope that will continue um so we'll see I, agree. <laughs> I was gonna say I thought it was awesome this year that everybody was really pushing that and I think it's great that it 
that's something that you kind of incorporate in your life anyway. So if people are thinking it just has to be gifts, like think that you redid your office space with with all makers that live in Maine. So now maybe someone's buying a house or wants to redo their space. Like there's ways to incorporate shopping small into your everyday life. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've been thinking of doing it throughout my entire home. It's hard, though, because, you know, am I going to go as far as like finding a main made toilet? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think there are definitely ways of incorporating it through in other means. So it's also it's like muscle memory, too. The more you do it, the more you think about it. I realized that since the podcast, it's something that I subconsciously do without even like making yeah. it a point like someone's 21st birthday. Normally, I'd like run to Hannaford, grab a bottle of wine. Instead, I made it a point to go to the Vista in green or Leeds, whichever. Yeah. Get them that. And it's something that it's like the more more you do it, the more often and the more you'll start to notice other makers as well. So I really encourage you guys to all just start to just pay attention more and really look at what you're consuming. And like we said, it can be just as simple as your groceries. Just looking at. We have different people. I know even in Hannaford, if you look around, there's tons of main made companies that your local grocery store sells. So little steps can really add up and they can really turn into some bigger things. So definitely. I agree. Yeah. With yes. what, what piece of advice you could give our listeners on just how to maybe discover new main artists or cons- uh, creators um, or places they could purchase items. Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, So there's multiple resources. So one, um, so all of them are good friends of mine. Um, With starting this podcast, a lot of um, nonprofits and other, you know, main maker communities have leaned in and we've kind of supported one another. So one big one that is ran by the state is Maine Made organization. Um, Tammy Knight is the head of that. And um, what she has done, she has curated a community of main makers and building a website that showcases the products by category. So you can go onto the website and say, hey, I'm looking for something like in fashion. And you'll see tons of brands there, including Roxy Sugar, who I interviewed for my podcast. And, you know, um, there's also, I think Lux and Design is another one too, and she's based out of Dermascada. So like you'll find like, um, you know, clothing, you'll find purses, so just anything you can think of, even food. I mean, there's so much when it comes to the definition of makers here in Maine that you can find all over that website. Um, also, I actually helped the Maine Maine organization over the holidays in doing a Facebook Live webcast series. It was called Live from Maine. And they talked, they, it was like a tabletop show. Think of like QVC, but main focused. Um, so I actually got to help in co-hosting um, one of the episodes and it was fun. It was great just to talk about some of the makers that I've yet to discover or I know about, but I just haven't interviewed yet for my podcast. Um, so main main is definitely one. And then another uh, big one is um, a main crafts association. Um, so they're a big nonprofit here in Maine. They support a ton of makers. And what I love about them is that they um, do a lot of 
uh, virtual events right now that really supports makers. They're actually starting um, this sort of project where they go and talk to interns or those who are of the maker community and of the younger demographic who are wanting to graduate with a, like a maker degree of sorts or creative degree, and then go interview somebody that they you know love or enjoy. Um, so I believe uh, Rachel Adams, who is a, a renowned artist in the Portland community, she recently got interviewed with Maine Crafts Association. So that's been really nice just to um, get a feel for the maker community. And they also have their own shop and museum in Portland. And then lastly, uh, an event that I partnered with uh, over the winter time and even uh, last summer was um, the Maker's Market at Thompson's Point. And they offer that at least once a month. I know during the holidays they offer it, you know, twice a month. But it is an event that they do at Thompson's Point and they have it all outside right now during the, uh, the pandemic. But it's a, a market where a bunch of makers go and showcase their products. And it was so great to go and do live interviews there. I actually got to do that last summer when COVID numbers were a bit low. And it was really cool just to like get a feel for a quilter, like, you know, who doesn't really have an e-commerce presence, but who goes and focuses the side hobby he has and taking it to this market. And he's also a full-time nurse. So it's just really cool to see how folks are taking craft in their own way, whether it be a full-time job or a side gig. So I would say those are the three big tips. There's many other resources out there I've left off, but I believe I've best captured that on my website. So feel free to, you know, hop on there to see what else you can um, do in regards to purchasing Maymaker products. First of all, those tips are so helpful. I know that it's something that, especially the older you get and the more you start to have an appreciation and honestly just having more funds. I know when you're in college, it's a little harder to you're spending more money on quality versus something you buy online for like $3 or whatever. <laughs> so I know this is something that really fits kind of the demographic right now is people that are starting to be conscious of that. Um, but with your podcast, we know that you get to interview a lot of different makers. So what would be one of the more unique styles, maybe something you hadn't heard or a, I don't even know. I'm trying to give an example here, but what would be something a little bit more unique? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> There's so many good ones. Um, so one that was um, early on um, in my podcasting career, if you will. <laughs> um, I feel like I've, I've done podcasting for more than a year now, but I haven't. I haven't even reached a year yet. I would say that is the um, axe making guys. So uh, Brant and Conkren, three gentlemen decided that they wanted to start an axe making business. And uh they were really inspired by axe makers located in the Oakland area because back in the day, uh, there was like a, about a dozen axe makers um, located in Oakland. And uh, they were like, let's bring it back. And they've done a really great job of it. And I learned so much about axes. Like, I just didn't know about all like the the technique and the skill and the metalwork behind it. It's amazing. And what I loved about it even most in stepping into their shop, they had women in there doing it. And I'm like, yes, love that. Like, this is this is it. Like this is great that females are getting into metal craft too. And um and they they actually are from Mecca. So it's really cool that they're tap like these guys are tapping into different communities and helping them build upon their skill set to figure out what they want to do with their careers. So what's really cool about these axes is that they go and cut soft wood. And soft wood 
is here in Maine. It's all around us. And uh, so that's just something that's really unique. And so they're co they've come out with two different axes and I feel like they're just gonna keep growing from there. I mean, they have a, they just signed on with a major wholesaler out West. It's very, um, it, gosh, it's got so many uh, followers and just has a, such a big reach in the outdoor world. I feel like they're just going to keep growing from there. Who knows? They, maybe there'll be an LL Bean one day. But uh, but I would say that is probably the most unique product that I've seen. But I would say my most favorite interview that if you want a really good story that is out of the box yet um, really speaks to today's world in an artistic way is Eric Hopkins. So Eric Hopkins is a very you know, renowned artist on North Haven. So North Haven, of course, as you know, is an island off of Maine. And um, he speaks to how he thinks, you know, America is like he's so passionate about America and how beautiful it is, how the environment is and talks through how we need to continue to revive it, continue to clean it up. Like he's all about eco-friendly, sustainable actions. And um, he captures this beauty through his art. And not only it's just Maine, he travels all over the nation. And um, he does this not through uh, watercolors and drawings. He does this through photography as well as glass blowing. So he has all sorts of different elements. And um, what's also unique about him is that his whole family is from the island of North Haven. Um, his brother actually owns a art gallery in North Haven, which carries Eric's art. And um, also what's really unique about Eric is that he lost a couple of family members in his life too. Like he lost his brother at a young age. He drowned in the water right off the island, which is really emotional and it kind of feeds into his creativity. And then um, he lost his son as well in a car accident. And it's just like, it really sets the tone of like, what goes in these minds of these creatives and what, what, goes into their products and um so art in and of itself is a very broad you know skill and with him he shares his whole story puts it all out there which is great um so i would say that is probably was my favorite by far uh, interview thus far all of them are my favorite but his was my favorite and when you start <laughs> kind of like putting a face to the company so you know these people now and you're like you know your money is going towards them and you're supporting them mm -hmm. and it's not some like big corporation or anything it just feels so much better just like the people that we've had on here I'm like I I will just keep buying from you because it's I know how much you're putting into it yeah oh yeah definitely I I feel like that is why I enjoy the uh, Makers of America movement because every single individual has a story. It's very unique. Uh, you know, I grew up um, where I would be going out to Indiana where my fa my dad's family's from and my grandmother, she is a quilter and she puts her heart and soul into every single quilt she makes. She makes them into, you know, baby blankets and stuff. So it's like something that you can cherish and live with. Like my sister still sleeps with her baby blanket that my grandmother made her. It's kind of crazy, right? And um, so I feel like it's something, it's like an heirloom of sorts. It's something that you can hold close to you for years to come and it can go down in generation and generation. So you're absolutely right. It is all about the story and like, who you're supporting and what you are so passionate about with that story. I love too that it's kind of like a 
time capsule of sorts when you have something like a quilt that your grandmother made or my grand both of my grandparents are I would say hobbyist of makers and they're they make just incredible pieces my grandmother's a quilter and also just like crafter of all sorts and my grandfather does he pretty much makes everything out of wood he has a sawmill and he cuts the wood down his property and then he will make me I don't know I can pretty much be like hi I want this design can you make (laughs) this and it's something that I will cherish forever and I think it can just really bring you back to a certain time and you have a memory with something trying to think of like an example but I needed a place to like store my mail and hang my keys when I walked in the door oh Liz it was when we lived together and or even like your dad built us the stuff for our dorm room beds oh yeah like there's that little gap you have you know when you're in (laughs) dorm rooms that your pillows always fall in so my dad made like I don't know eight little shelves and gave them to like no way anyways it just is so it just means you know a lot and you can kind of think of the memories associated with it so great so I am not a crafter like believe it or not I I love storytelling but I am not like getting into my hands I don't really typically craft things um because I feel like I do a horrible job of it but my husband's like okay you really need a hobby because this (laughs) podcast is turning into work and you just need something to like get your mind off things like just challenge yourself and do something different and I'm like okay I'm gonna do punch needling so that's something different so um so yeah I'm just trying to get into like different things and you know I'm really glad people other people are getting into other hobbies too we've been talking about this a lot recently on the podcast is just screen time and like social media and your phone and all these things so finding a hobby that you can do with your hands is such a great way to distract from this. And I feel like it really embraces the whole main life and a simplistic life is doing something, crafting with your hands and using it to tell a story with, okay. So we talked about your favorite, your favorite interview, uh, your favorite, one of your most unique interviews. Do you have any main beauty products that you know of that you've had on the podcast? Oh, yes. Uh, So Salty Girl Beauty, um, who is also my client, um, because I am a publicist, uh, they offer clean beauty and uh, body care products. So they're based out of Kennebunk. And these two sisters are so lovely and so joyful, very positive ladies. Um, God, they have been through a lot. Um, So Sarah, um, she had triple negative uh, breast cancer and was going through, I mean, as you can imagine, very tough time. I mean, she was pregnant, you know, going through this. And uh, her sister is an oncology nurse. So she definitely like leaned on her and like going through that entire journey. And, you know, being an oncology nurse and like treating others, you never probably would have thought that your sister would have it. Right. And um, so one day uh, Sarah was going through, you know, chemo and, you know, lost her hair. She didn't feel like herself. And uh, Leah came over try to, you know, put a pep in her step and, and like, Hey sis, like here's a shade of lipstick, put it on you. You're going to look great. And that really just like brought her life back, like brought that positive light back, brought her the happiness that she needed. And, uh, that came salty girl beauty. They were trying to find a beauty product that was clean, all clean ingredients. Cause as you know, like if you, 
you know, you if you know someone who's going through cancer or going through like a major, you know, health crisis, it's like they want to know everything that's going in their body, outside of their body. And, you know, Salty Girl Beauty is great for that. It's like all clean beauty. And they offer cosmetics from multi-sticks to lipsticks to mascara to foundation that smells amazing. And then the body care products, they go and actually craft in their home in Maine um, from the body scrubs and soaps and salts. And they're all different scents, all clean ingredients. And uh, they've just really become experts in their field. So I would say they're probably my favorite <laughs> um, out of you know all the brands that I know of. But I, I mean, there's some gr other great brands out there that I'm dying to interview too. So I'm looking forward to more and more clean beauty and even just regular beauty, you know, stuff that's <laughs> going on here in Maine. <laughs> so we know you've interviewed so many different types of crafters and all across the board. Is there kind of one thing that you've just learned about those crafters in general, like any kind of maker, like what is standing out to you about someone who's a maker? So I find that... There's one common thread when it comes to the maker community, especially here in Maine, that they lean on each other. They've created a community where it's not really a competition. They sort of go and use each other as resources. They tap into each other's brains. Like it's a great network. And, you know, I can relate to that too, because I mean, even though I'm not of a maker business, but to ha be a publicist, I've leaned into my, I don't even consider them competitors. They're my friends, like my other publicist friends and, uh, and to tap into their heads and network and talk about challenges and such. It's very relevant to the makers, makers community as well. And I also, you know, and learning more about uh, different individuals. So some of these makers will go and reference the same individuals. And it's just really interesting. Like some of them will be people who've been around for a long time or some of them could are up and coming. And um, so it's really interesting to hear like who these mentors are and where they're at in their journeys. But I think that's just really the common thread. And I always talk about it. And I think it's very important to talk about it because I think if you're a new entrepreneur, a new maker coming into Maine, you need to learn about it, that there is a community out there. And uh, there are a lot of ways of getting into that community through, you know, organizations and nonprofits here in Maine. So I would say that is something that is very common amongst all the makers. And it's something I, I want to keep asking about because I feel like there's just multiple ways of learning about that network. And it's very important to everybody. It's funny because the next thing we were going to ask is what have you learned about Maine? But I feel like that's kind of similar to the Maine community. Like everybody leans on each other. Everyone has each other's back. Everyone's rooting for each other. Um, so it's funny. It's just kind of like a maker's state in general. Right. That's what I was thinking of when you were saying that. I'm like, I wonder if she's going to have a different answer for this question because it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> my follow-up question was going to be advice to entrepreneurs in Maine so you also answered that so, <laughs> so funny really uh must be the podcaster in us we I know right know the next step. we always like like have good flow which is yes nice. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say in general that once you not that Liz and I are fully in it but once you kind of get into that community you it becomes such a small world everyone yeah. knows someone who knows someone I mean 
we like even just knowing of your friend Becky and just knowing of her, knowing someone that works for her, your connections become really small. So I think it's honestly an ideal environment to become an entrepreneur that mm-hmm. is main focused because you can really find a whole team of people that'll help you. Oh yeah, for sure. I agree. And then the last question we wanted to ask was what would be something you would tell yourself back in maybe June or, you know, the springtime before you started Makers of Maine? What would be some advice you could give yourself or just something that, you know, you didn't know then? To to focus, to really focus on the vision that you came up with in the beginning. And that is to be a storyteller for makers. There are so many rabbit holes I could have gone down and, um, and there's some that I, you know, I did and, you know, it's all about testing and doing trial and error. Like not only am I going and interviewing makers that are making things with their hands, I'm also partnering up with photographers and videographers and musicians and telling their stories. And I want to make sure that I want, I want to be a well-rounded storyteller because makers is a broad definition. And I want to continue along that path and showcasing all of those audiences rather than just those who make it with their hands. So in the future, you know, with that lesson in mind, I've decided I wanted to start a separate mini series of the Makers of Maine channel and going and interviewing photographers and videographers now. So that'll be exciting. And then also tapping into different elements while still having that vision in, in place. And so I'm, I may open up the gates of doing a webcast uh, video series and showcasing the process behind a maker, because as you guys know, uh, you know, there's different audiences who prefer podcasting, who prefer video, who prefer just social media or who prefer reading. So I feel as though that I want to start a, not just a podcast, but like an outlet that showcases um, the story in many ways. So we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to come down the road, but uh, I think just as like uh, something I would have told myself in June, it's no, it's no longer a side gig, Kristen. It's a full time (laughs) job. So there's many things I could have told myself back in June. (laughs) Sounds like you're just getting started. Yeah, yeah. I just never thought that my, it would grow this fast. I never thought my podcast would grow this fast. I never would have thought I would have been on Good Morning America. I never would have thought that I would have been in Down East Magazine, which is probably one of my favorite magazines in Maine. Like I I never would have thought that at all. Like I never would have thought I would have been on your podcast, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's just, um, it's something I learn um, every day. And I'm very grateful for the makers that are out there because my podcast wouldn't exist because of that. Well, you are doing a great job and we love listening and following along. And honestly, coming just from two people in Maine, we really appreciate what you're doing for the Maine community and we're excited to see the future. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to see what's up and coming on your podcast as well. I I can't wait to hear. I have to listen in. (laughs) And our listeners are probably be hopping right over to our podcast after this um could you just share where they can find you um your instagram and everything because we know that they love to support main businesses as well of course uh so they can find me at makersofme.com 
And then my social media handle is just Makers of Maine. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I may be opening up other social media elements later. I do have a YouTube channel too. Um, that's Makers of Maine. Uh, so yeah, that's where you can find me right now. And there's more growth opportunities to come. And I would love to take you on a journey of where I'm going to go with it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, that was a good one. Thank you. Let's go get a drink. <laughs> <laughs>